I I have a sticker on my bike that talks about that. My my favorite trailhead is my driveway. People, it's important for parks departments to provide those trailheads. But the truth of it is, is I don't want to use them. Like I want to ride my bike out of my driveway down to the trail. Um, so when we were able to start getting up close to the neighborhoods or into the neighborhoods, it's when we really saw our our cycling, our trail network t- take off. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Today we are re-releasing an episode that was originally recorded in March of 2020 for the Driftless Dirt Podcast. David Wright is our guest for this show. David is the Director of Parks and Recreation for the City of Bentonville, Arkansas. The City of Bentonville is one of the best examples of how communities have leveraged open spaces for trails within city limits. So while you may have listened to this episode before, I encourage you to take another listen, as there is a wealth of knowledge for people who are interested in expanding trail access within their local community. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for truck bicycle company and Celsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wallenach of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who share their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the David Wright interview. I'm here with the Parks Director of Bentonville, uh, Mr. David Wright. David has an excellent story about how outdoor recreation and recreation in general can help benefit communities and, and bring people into communities and offer uh, good life experiences for the residents of communities. We'll introduce David here and he can kind of go over his backstory and let's, let's talk about how you, how you moved to Northwest Arkansas and, and how you came into this role as the uh, Parks and Recreation Director here in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, well, hey, um, thanks for having me. I'm really, really honored that you guys asked me to, to, to participate in this. Um, so my story goes back, man, all the way back, you know, 40 years ago as a, as a youngster. I'm, an, I'm a native Arkansan, um, but while Bentonville is in the northwest corner of, of Arkansas, I was actually raised over in a small town on the northeastern side of the state, about, about 20 minutes from, uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. It's a, it's a small, rural, poverty-stricken area in, in, in our state, and that's very similar to what a lot of uh, communities are like over in the Delta. And, you know, in my little town that I grew up in, um, my parents really uh, ran the community community based recreation programs. If there was a sports league or something, my mother and father were right in the middle of it. So while dad would um, go to work at a bank in Memphis and um, my mother would work in the city government aspect there in the little little town I was from, my brother and I would go to the ball fields and we would drag the ball fields, prepare the park really during the business day so that when people came to the park at night, um, they were ready to play. So I grew up around parks, um, done everything from, uh, like I say, those volunteer days of, of prepping ball fields, but working, um, around swimming pools, working around golf courses, 
doing trail development and then that, you know, ran off and went to college at Arkansas. And then when I was there, I actually learned that it was a profession. I could like, Hey, I could do this for a living. And sure enough, uh, uh, out of school, went to work for Fayetteville Parks and Recreation there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We there for about 10 years. And then the window uh, opened for me to, to jump up about 30 miles north to Bentonville, Arkansas. And um, Bentonville didn't have a lot at the time, but I, I knew it had a lot of potential. And um, so I, I wanted to give it a shot. And here we are now. Yeah. So what have you found uh, with, with the importance of parks? How has it impacted the community in general since you've kind of came here from the beginning of not having much of a parks department and building it up to what it is today? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I've always known, even before I guess I studied it, is that public parks um, are a real community builder. You know, when we talk about development and we talk about things that communities need to do, you know, the, the, the most important things that you can do in a community, from my perspective, is that you have a great school system, you have a great park system. And after that, the rest of it kind of happens. I mean, it's, it's real organic. If you have the great quality of life amenities um, and something for the families to participate in, um, then the rest of the stuff will flow in behind it. So what we were able to do, you know, dating back to that little tiny town I was from in East Arkansas and then the decade plus that I spent in Fayetteville and now, you know, decade plus I'm in Bentonville, um, is, is go in and build public spaces that, you know, really welcomed and was open and inviting to families um, and, and, and brought them in. And that built the community spirit, the community pride that often these facilities really generate. Um, and then that leads to so much more. I know we'll get into all this, but it leads to the economic development side and a lot of those things, infrastructure pieces that go along with that. Um, but what I have found in a lot of these communities is it really starts with those family-based venues, the schools and the parks. So one of the, one of the bigger venues you have here is your community center. You want to talk about your community center and, and how that has played a role in your yeah. community here and yeah. maybe so, how that came about? No, so, so, and let's tell you a little bit about, about Bentonville Parks and Recreation in general. So um, if we go back um, right before I got here, the city of Bentonville, the city of Bentonville really did not offer any organized recreation whatsoever. And it was, um, it was Mayor Bob McCaslin really just about 12 years ago um, when he asked me if I would come up here and and create Bentonville Parks and Recreation 2.0, really. And, and, and his whole thought process behind that, his vision was we have a parks department, but the parks department is basically in charge of maintenance. We maintained 15 parks at the time, um, not a lot of trail to speak of, um, but no community-based recreation whatsoever. He, he had lived in other places and had seen the value of community recreation programs, and he wanted to bring some of that here. So when he asked me to come up here, he said, I'd like you to understand what's going on here from a recreation standpoint, and then let's take that to a whole new level in, in what that is. And so we started working with community-based um, volunteer groups that were running, you know, the youth soccer programs and the youth softball programs, a lot of the youth sport type activities, the traditional sport programs that are in every community in America. And we started working with those groups to to enhance their programming and make their um, services, their deliverables a lot, a lot more customer friendly, um, if you will. And then we started launching our own, anything from volleyball to tennis programs, summer camp programs or whatnot. And all of that led us um, to a vision for a new community rec center. So we went to our public, we asked um, our citizens, if we were to go build a community center, 
what would you want it to look like? And um, we had a list of about 10 things that our citizens wanted. It ranged everything from a swimming pool to a basketball facility to a fitness center. And of those top 10 things that um, our citizens asked, we were able to work and accomplish nine of those 10. The only one that we weren't able to accomplish was an outdoor pool. And that's kind of because we envisioned an indoor facility. So those nine facilities, those nine amenities, if you will, led us to the present day Bentonville Community Center. It's an 80,000 square foot rec center, um, has an indoor pool. Um, actually, has two indoor pools. One is a, a, a family focused, zero depth entry uh, leisure pool with the giant water slides, a lazy river. Um, real cool little place. And then adjacent to it is a 25 yard by 25 meter competitive pool for our um, our swim teams. Um, and then maybe the adult masters type swimmers that exist. There's about an 8,000 square foot community uh, fitness center with a dance and aerobic studio right adjacent to that basketball gymnasium that we play everything in that gym from basketball to pickleball to badminton, volleyball. It's got a, of course, it's got a, a loop trail or loop track around the top of it. Upstairs is a, a lounge area. And, and in that lounge is an extension of our public library. Um, so you can go in there and check out a book or you can watch uh, your favorite basketball team on the, on the uh, television. And then there's a community room um, area. That community room can be four small rooms or can be one giant room for 250 plus people. I think the key to our community center and one of the reasons it's most successful is um, we have a we have a child watch, not a daycare. It's, it's a child watch. And so families can bring their youngest of kids, um, maybe a three year old child and drop them off at child watch. And we do constructive activities with those kids for a maximum of two hours while mom may be on the treadmill and dad may be in the basketball gymnasium and the oldest child may be in the swimming pool. Um, you can drop your your three year old off with us and um, they'll they'll have something to go as well when we opened that facility about four and a half years ago our goal what we wanted to do was have 3300 memberships today we have 8,000 memberships there's 17 17,000 active members and what that means is so of those 8,000 memberships that we have two-thirds of those are family memberships and that may be four people um, but because of that we're able to run a community rec center that um doesn't cost the taxpayers any money we're 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 breaking even plus one dollar in in that facility and so we're able to do that without a hit to the city's general operating budget it's been so successful in what we do 1500 people a day are coming in and out of that building um it's really an epicenter of recreation in our community but it's not just recreation it's, a, it's the epicenter of community in our community and our, our citizens are are treat it very well and, and just, just love the facility. That's awesome. One of your newest uh, parks, aside from this community center, is uh, an accessible playground or an all-inclusive playground. I believe you guys opened that in what, October yeah. of 2019? Yeah. So, you know, of, of all the parks that I've been able to build since, since I've been here and the people I work with, um, the existing team that's, that's here, um, one of the things we talk about is probably the most powerful piece of, of um, development that we've done is our inclusive playground. So we, an inclusive playground is, is just that. I mean, it is designed for kids with special needs. And, you know, our, our, our vision of this is that, you know, 
when we took a when we took a really strong look at our existing playgrounds that are out in our community, a hundred percent of them were by the law ADA accessible. But as I talk to parents who have a child in a wheelchair and they're trying to push their kid through a playground that has a fall safe material of mulch, or they try to take their child in a wheelchair up steps to the top of a slide where by the law it may be accessible, it's really not accessible. So we wanted to provide something that the kids with special needs could use and enjoy, but we didn't want the kids with special needs to be separated from the able-bodied kids. And so we wanted this piece of playground equipment to have the play value um, that the able-bodied children would be there and would participate in the activities uh, along with the kids with special needs. So we were able to design um, uh, uh, a, a large playground. It's the biggest playground we've ever built in town, um, but there are no steps whatsoever. Everything is, is ADA accessible ramps. Um, there are, there's no mulch inside this. It's a, it's a, it's a firm surface that's, un, that's underneath. It still has a cushion to it, but it's firm enough that you can roll a wheelchair across there. Well, one of the things we learned from from parents talked about the design of slides. And so and so kids love to go down slides. But what happens a lot of time is you'll have a parent that will take the child with a wheelchair all the way to the top. They'll help the kid get into a, a slide. They'll go down and you're down at the bottom of the slide in less than a second. Um, but then the parent has to take the wheelchair all the way around to to meet them at the bottom. So what what parents ask us to do is. One, design wide slides that either two people could go down at the same time or do slides that are side by side so that people could go down at the same time. And that way, the child, when they when they get to the bottom of the slide, they're not alone at the bottom while the parent's running around to, to pick them up and help them back in the wheelchair. They're there. They're interacting with somebody. That that interaction is, is a key part of that. Everybody loves swings, right? So our swings. Um, um, are ADA accessible. And, and then one of the things that a, a, a group of students, while we were speaking at a, at a school, had the grand idea is they're like, we want a zip line in our, in our playground. So our, our inclusive playground includes a zip line. And there's two of them. One of them is a rope with, you know, it's like an old rope swing we used to play on. It has that type of apparatus to it. And the other is an ADA accessible uh, chair that you could buckle somebody in. And the kids can take off on that zip line. What we've been able to accomplish and what I witnessed with this is that there are times when I can watch an able-bodied child in a swing and then right next to them is a, a kid with special needs in, a, in, a, in another swing. And, and these kids are going back and forth in the swing and they're looking at each other, they're laughing at each other, they're playing with one another. And, and what, it, what that accomplishes is that because we've removed that barrier, oftentimes that wheelchair is that physical barrier between a kid with special needs and able-bodied chair, I'm mean, able-bodied child. But because we've removed that wheelchair, we've removed that barrier, and those two kids are learning a lifelong lesson, not just about play, but that we're all the same. And and sometimes we have different abilities, and sometimes we have different skills. Um, but the, at our inner core, we're all the same, and we're able to play together. We're able to talk together together. Um, we're either able to work together and we're hopeful that this inclusive playground goes a lot further than play. It actually um, is helping mold our young citizens um, into, into better people.
That's amazing. One of the things, one of the shifts in, in recreation has been towards uh, trails and outdoor recreation. And, and that's, I think, one of the things that it is the main thing that Bentonville's been, been getting a lot of national recognition for and even international recognition for is their, their trails and greenways. In your role here, how have, how have you seen that shift? And, and how was it in the early days when you first started introducing this type of stuff, this type of amenity to the public? And, and then how has it been received? And, and how have you expanded on that? Well, we have, we, there's two distinct different types of trails in our community. Um, we have a really, we have a great, we've been so lucky to, to be able to, to build a powerful network in both types of it, both our multi-use hard surface trails, but then our single track mountain bike trails. You know, I go back to the decade plus ago that, that when, I, when I started here and we started really building both this type of infrastructure, there was a lot of, there were a lot of people that just didn't really understand it yet, hadn't seen it. But then there were a lot of people in town that had seen, especially the hard surface trails and, and like, yeah, we want you to go do this. So, you know, as, and as every city does, we started small. We started building some hard surface trails really as a focus for something for our adults to be able to, to have. And then we started small about the same time we started small with our mountain bike trails and we did five miles of trail at, at, at slaughter pen uh, mountain bike park. And we just allowed the public to use them. And, and then the use kept picking up and picking up. And we knew that we eventually from, especially from a hard surface trail, we wanted to connect that first trail that we built in North Bentonville and had a brand new little dog park on it. We wanted to connect it all the way to the downtown Bentonville Square. And so um, we were able to just literally chip away and chip away and get this trail built all the way to our downtown trail. And then when we did, what we saw was um, um, this connectivity piece and people started to understand the power of connectivity that we could now take a bike or we could take a person by foot um, and park at the dog park and walk all the way to our downtown square. It's not that far. It's three miles in, 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 in total. Um, but that was a great little outdoor outing for, um, for our citizens. After we, after we got there, we said, hey, you know what? There's another park that's about two miles further north called Bella Vista Lake. Like, how could we, how could we get there? And so that one had a little more challenges. It had to go under an interstate, needed to include a tunnel, but we eventually were able to get all the way there. And then and because of that, now we had five miles of trail that went all the way from our downtown square all the way to Bella Vista Lake, the most northern part of, of our community. And, and what we saw at that point were a lot of families that would have day outings, if you would. They would start on the downtown square, um, go all the way to the dog park, through the Slaughter Pen Mountain Bike Park, under the interstate, and all the way to Bella Vista Lake, where there's a loop trail that's out there. And then they would find their way back to, to, to downtown. And you started to see how these facilities um, really could impact um, quality of life in our community. And then fast forward, uh, we started putting trails where in other areas that it made sense. We started linking to medical facilities, started linking to um, high schools, uh, public schools, other types of landmarks in our community, and they became a real quality of life. Um, and then fast forward to today, from a hard surface trail perspective, we're doing a street master plan right now, an overall transportation plan for the city. And 85% of the people who filled out the survey for the, um, for the street master plan is said, Make sure that you're including bicycle infrastructure in, in this plan. 85% of the people wanted more 
um, wanted more trails. They wanted it to be a, an active part of that overall plan. And then 83% of the people in that plan said it needed to include on-street, on-street bike lanes, on-street bicycle infrastructure. Um, so, so that initial investment of what was five miles of trail um, has evolved into a different way of life for us throughout the community. I think the big piece that I'm missing there that's really important to know is that once we were able to build that first five miles, we started at that point um, looking south. So I mentioned that we that if it starts in our downtown square, we built all the way north to Bella Vista Lake. But then once we finished that, we started talking about how do we go south? And then because we have other communities in Northwest Arkansas that were doing a lot of the same thing, we were able to work with um, all the major towns in Northwest Arkansas, Bentonville, uh, Rogers, Springdale, and then Fayetteville to the far south. And when we started talking about building this spine greenway network all the way through our community, um, we're like, why do we stop at just our city limits? Why don't we take this thing all the way south? Um, that was kind of the birth of the Northwest Arkansas Razorback Greenway. Um, what is today a 40-mile um, hard surface trail that runs from the most southern tip of uh, Fayetteville to the most northern tip of of Bella, I mean, sorry, most northern tip of Bentonville, and then eventually we're going to actually go a little bit further north into Bella Vista as well. But I think by the time we're all said and done, this is probably going to be a 45 to 50 mile trail throughout the throughout Northwest Arkansas. So, so our hard surface trails was one part of that. Then our single track trails was was obviously the other. Just like with our hard surface trails, our single track was started with five miles of trail at Slaughterpin and. Once we programmed and maintained those five miles of trails, um, what was the right way? And I don't know, you know, you may ask, what's the right way? I don't know. Um, it, it's the right way for us. And so we kept things cut. We kept things looking good. We kept the quality of our trail top notch. And before you know it, there's a bunch of people out there on five miles. And we're like, hey, we need to build some more. So we went and built five more. And then once we got those, uh, it was just short of 10 miles of trail built. We identified that we had a little bit more land and we could actually build another 10 miles of it. So so over the course of about four to five years, we were able to build 20 miles of trail there at Slaughterpin. And then just like our hard surface trails, we started looking for other ways to take mountain biking somewhere else. So we had this giant hillside out at Bella Vista Lake, two miles north of Slaughterpin. And so, so we're like, well, let's go build trail out there. And what our cyclists could do is they can ride from the downtown square to Slaughterpen, enjoy the day at Slaughterpen. But if you're not done riding, ride the hard surface trail two miles north, and then you're Bella Vista Lake, where there's another nine miles of trail. And once we saw those two projects be not just successful, like super successful, we started expanding out. Bella Vista started building trails. We started building trails over at Park Springs Park. And then connecting them, we started building the Kohler Mountain Bike Preserve. We started connecting them. And before you know it, we end up with this network of single track trails that is much larger than any of us ever imagined 10 plus years ago. Um, and it's really become a way of life in our community, both from a, an activity standpoint for our residents, but also a focal point for our tourists. Yeah. So with, with the, the single track trails, it's not all, we've talked about mountain biking a lot, but it's not all about mountain biking. I mean, do you, do you see a lot of hikers, a lot of bird watchers, a lot of trail runners? Yeah. I mean, trail runner, trail, trail running is becoming a, yeah. a 
much bigger than it was even five years ago. Yeah. You know, how's that, how's that interaction been? No, no, you're exactly right. Our, our, our singer track trails, while they are built and designed um, for mountain biking, it is not the only activity out there as well. There are a lot of hikers that are using our trails. Um, and then there's a lot of trail runners as well. Running is, you know, we talk about cycling being a, a huge activity in our, in our community. So, so is our, so is our half marathon in three weeks. Um, Bentonville is going to host the, uh, the Bentonville half marathon. It's our 10th year of the event. It, there's 3000 runners in that event and runners world magazine said, um, uh, for two years before they actually, before they quit doing the award, um, that, that Bentonville ha- held, hosted the top half marathon in the Southern part of the United States. So, um, we're a strong running community is, is, as well. And so there's a lot of trail running that takes place in through there. Our trails aren't just for mountain bikers. They're for people. And, and it's, it's a, it's a opportunity for people to get out of their home, get away from their job, um, get out into the, and out into nature, out into the woods, um, and just enjoy some of the natural beauty that, that, that we have, uh, here in our community, here in our region. So with this, I, when I come, this is my ninth trip down here in the last four years. Nice. Um, we've really, made it in March. We've made it a, a family vacation for us. We, the wife and kids come down, but then I make a couple other trips. Um, one of the things that, that really struck me with the first time I came down here, and this is something I thought about over the years as a mountain biker is how can you get trails really into neighborhoods? Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I noticed was that you had trails going literally through people's backyards, yeah. not yeah. so close that you're encroaching on privacy, but yeah. you know, they're, they're going through people's backyards. They're using space that is otherwise a lot, a lot of times unusable for yeah. other, other purposes. Um, how is that? How has that reception been? So, so when we were able to begin working with the private landowners and, and I'm not, when I talk about private landowners, I'm talking about the homeowners. Um, it was easy to acquire an easement through a landowner who had a hundred acres and we're going along the backside of their property. Um, it's when we come to somebody who has, a quarter of an acre or a third of an acre or a half an acre and said, is there a way we can take the most, you know, the, the ba- most back part of your property that, that is a, against a ravine and you give us part of that so we can build some sort of trail through there is when we really started making progress. That connectivity piece. I mean, I talked about without saying this, um, I've been talking about connectivity when talking about connecting Bella Vista Lake to the downtown Bentonville Square. But it's it's about connecting neighborhoods to those trails. I I have a sticker on my bike that talks about that my my favorite trailhead is my driveway. People, it's important for parks departments to provide those trailheads. But the truth of it is, is I don't want to use them. Like I want to ride my bike out of my driveway down to the trail. Um, so when we were able to start getting up close to the neighborhoods or into the neighborhoods, it's when we really saw our our cycling our trail network to take off initially it was difficult i mean it, you, it, it's it's hard to teach somebody who had never seen this before what the value of donating a 10 to 15 foot swath at the back of your backyard um, could do to enhance the quality of life of their neighbors um, but also increase their property value um, because they'd never seen it before. And, and, and that's not any fault of theirs or ours or anybody else. Um, uh, it was just new to us. And so, but, but lucky for us, we were able to, you know, convince some people to, to do just that. And it was, it was probably a lot more for a sense of community 
than any other reason that people started doing it. But once a neighborhood or two started doing that, a lot of our citizens started to see those very uh, benefits. And when, you know, in our copycat world, if you will, when we learn from another neighborhood or we see another neighborhood doing something, we're like, hey, maybe maybe we should do that, too. So today, I mean, we're actually a town where people are coming to us like, how do I connect my neighborhood to that trail system? And, you know, another success story with that goes back to that Razorback Greenway, that 40 mile trail that I was telling you about a second ago. That was that was a real challenge because, you know, there was when, when you're building 40 miles and you're connecting those four major communities, there's some areas that you just quite frankly have to go through. I mean, there's there's it just some of that trail was already existing. And we had to put a line down a map and say, we had to get from here to here. And we just don't have many choices of how we do that. And so there were some areas that we just, we had to go through there. So we had some people that were just not in favor of it. And there, and, and it really, you know, we're not above like crawling to their door and begging from our knees, like, please do this with us. And so we bought some land, we had some donated to us, but it was a challenge. Let's fast forward to today. That Razorback Greenway um, has been open. For five years this May, and and what we see is that the property value along that trail system um, increases uh, homes, the, the value of homes anywhere from seven to 10 percent. Um, we've even got a study that 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 came out about a year ago that talked about a three bedroom, two bath home that lives within a quarter of a mile of our trail system has a value of more than the exact same home two miles away from it. It's a 10% increase. So to, to give you specifics, three bedroom, two bath, 2000 square foot home that li- that is two miles away from our trail system. You can buy for $200,000 in our community. That same home um, within a quarter of a mile of that trail is selling right now for two twenty five. dollars So, so there's there that $20,000 um, increase um, really is, it's a quality of life. I mean, we're, people are buying the quality of life and, and we're seeing that here in our community. So to get back to that original question, how did we do it? You know, we started small and, and it's grown. Um, we've been able to talk about our success, talk about our story um, and, and educate our citizens of the value of having this type of infrastructure adjacent to them, close to them um, and how they can benefit not only from a quality of life standpoint, but from a, a real estate value. So how about the return on investment that you've noticed? Yeah. You guys, when we were talking before we started recording, uh, we were talking about how you guys provide uh, maintenance services essentially yeah. for the trails and how has how's that worked out? And maybe how is that relative to just other um, standard recreational facilities? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the thing about, the thing about trails, particularly the single track trails is that I have directors that call me from all over the country, colleagues. I've visited with people from Georgia to Washington about like, how are y'all doing it? And, and, and what are you doing to be, to be so successful? And, you know, I tell, I tell the folks in my field that is that it, it, it comes with a cost. And, you know, this is the part we don't want to talk about. I mean, um, we, we have to maintain those single track trails. And when you have, you know, 55 plus miles of that inside your city limits, um, you, you've got to maintain them. And there's a lot of ways of how to do that. Every community needs a really strong volunteer base to help with that. But you're going to have to have a staff full of people that that's what they do. They put their eyes on the trail. Um, they maintain the things they maintain. Anything from a 
from a tree that's down to grass that's growing high adjacent to it, you need to be able to care for that. The thing that I always tell the the people who call me is um, what I promise you is that your city is maintaining baseball fields as they should. Mm-hmm. Very important part of the recreation atmosphere. No doubt. Why, why do you maintain the baseball fields, but not mountain bike trails? It's still citizens. We're using recreation. Kids can use both. Um, they're both activities that provide the quality of life. We have to see mountain biking as an equal in the quality of life realm, in the, in the sports realm, in the activity realm, the recreation field. It's another activity. And, um, and it's a great one. And we're seeing that here. And so we do invest, um, in, in not only the, the construction and the capital side of it, but, but the maintenance side of it as well. My team consists of three full-time employees that work year round to maintain our 50 plus 55 miles of, um, of single track that we have in, that's on our property in, in this community. Um, that, that staff grows to about eight people when the grass is growing and they do everything from, you know, weed whacking to raking trail to when something's washed out, which is rare, but when something's washed out, we, we go back in and rebuild those things. Um, one of the, one of the biggest challenges with us is because, um, Bentonville is a town with a, with a solid tree canopy and, you know, we're an older community. So there are times that, that large trees fall at the end of a storm, they cover the trails and we got to go in clear that back out. That that's a big part of, of of what that crew does. And so so there's a there's a huge investment in in um maintaining our trail system. Um but but what we need to look at and what other what I encourage my colleagues around the country to do is look at the return on that investment as well. So where our department may spend, let's call it 80 grand, and that that's labor plus materials, um, where we may spend 80 grand a year maintaining our our trail system, the return on investment is much greater than 80 grand. A study that was done, again, same study that we did with the uh, looking at real estate values showed us that the cycling activity, the sport of cycling brought a return on investment of $137 million um, to Northwest Arkansas annually. Now, what that is, um, it, that's twofold. One, is that's a that's a that's a money being spent standpoint. So it's how much money is being spent in our box shops, how much tourism is is in existence. It even goes down to the level of when when you and I go mountain biking this afternoon and we're gonna ride for four hours. When we're done, we're gonna stop and we're gonna have a sandwich or something after afterwards. It even goes down to that kind of detail of 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 people that are eating because they've been cycling on our, on our trails. Whereas if we weren't, if they weren't, if we didn't do that, you, you may be still be home in Wisconsin right now. And I may not even go out tonight at all. So, um, it goes to that level of as well. The other thing that it looks like at is the cost savings in medical that we're providing to our local employers. But because we're providing activities that, um, are quite frankly keeping our citizenship healthier, um, we're saving dollars from healthcare. So, that's a, that's an all inclusive number. It's a big number, um, but we know that we're seeing a return on investment that is much greater than the investment that we're that than we're putting into it. And I go back to you know we as citizens, we as parks directors are all real quick 
to provide them for baseball and soccer as we should. But why not mountain biking? What we have found out here by by providing the maintenance, that love and care for those trails, the same way we do our sports fields, um, we're seeing a really high ROI on those facilities as well. That's awesome. Let's let's move into the future of of Bentonville and some of the stuff you guys have in store and yeah, and where you plan on expanding so you can get more connectivity yeah. um, throughout the entire community. So so Bentonville, um, you know, uh, I mean, we go back and we we've covered the gamut here in the 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 few minutes we've been visiting of of when when I got here um, a decade ago and building this system now to 140 recreation programs, all these miles of trails and all that kind of stuff. The future is really what's really ex- exciting. So um, Bentonville is the home of the largest retail corporation in the world, and um, they're making some some real moves. They're building a Google style campus um, in town. And so the local joke is that the the center of gravity is shifting about eight blocks. And so they'll be on one large 350, 400 acre um, area um, that's a little more accessible to the interstate. But in, but in a different area, and that that changes what we're doing a, as a community. So that Razorback Greenway, actually, lucky for us, used to run adjacent to the 300 acres that they're moving this property to. But we've been able to work with the company and say, hey, we we hear what you're saying um, that you're building one campus. You want people to drive to work, ride their bikes to work park in a parking garage and not leave until they leave that evening. Um, but there would be times that you've got, you've got associates that you want to get to other places in town. So how do we make our trail part of your transportation network? Um, we've been able to work with the company and that Razorback Greenway is actually going to move to right smack in the middle of that Walmart campus. And so it becomes an important uh, lifeline to the middle of that campus as, as we move forward. So, Connect connecting that campus with our downtown um, through the Razorback Greenway, um, connecting it to our, our mountain bike trails, connecting it north towards um, Bella Vista is a real important part of what's going to happen here over the over the next ten years. Two years ago, we were talking to our citizens um, as part of a ten year master plan for parks, and we were asking them what would you like to see in the future uh, of your park system. And and because we've grown so much as a town, the last census, we had 30,000 people. We're north of 50,000 right now. And so we've grown a ton in the western side of our community. And what I heard our citizens who lived on the west side of our community, like we love the parks in this town. We love the trails, but they're all on the east side of town. How can you start getting those facilities to the west side of town? I think that was the most powerful thing that I heard during that conversation with our citizens. So what we've been doing in the last two years is building a chain of parks and a trail system that runs um, basically from north to south on the western side of our community. So we have the Razorback Greenway that runs north-south on the east side. I've got the trail of two cities going that stretches across the most southern part of our community. So what I'm doing now is working with our partners to take Citizens Park, where that Bentonville community and community center and the inclusive playground is on the most southern part of our community and build a trail from there all the way north to tie into Bella Vista Lake, where that Razorback Greenway kind of comes to an end on the most northern part of our community. What that does 
is that would give us about a 30-mile loop of a hard surface trail that circles our town, um, a lot like the Minneapolis Grand Round System um, uh, does in, in, in that large metro area. And then along that linear trail system on the west side of our community, um, again, we'll go, from, we'll go from south to north. There's Citizens Park in the Bentonville Community Center that's there and open and available for everybody to use today. If you go just a little bit further to the north, um, all along a trail, um, it will bring you to the future 28th Street Park. It's a, it's a 30-acre park that we'll start construction on later this year, a green space area with what I'm calling an epic playground and an epic splash park. I don't want just the typical slide and swings. I'm looking for something with a lot of play value um, inside there. Um, and then it's actually, um, there'll be a dog park in there, but the first cricket pitch in Northwest Arkansas will, will be in that park as well. Um, we have a large uh, population of people that have moved, moved here from India and Pakistan, particularly to work for Walmart. And they need a place to be able to play their national sport. So we're really excited to be able to build that for uh, that group of citizens that live in our community. If you continue just a little bit further north on that trail is the brand new Osage Park that ought to be open uh, later this year. It that, That's a park that serves two purposes. One from a recreational standpoint, there's some trails in there. There's a small amphitheater. There's a food truck court. There's some pickleball courts. Um, it has a great little recreational value. The other thing that it does is that um, we're removing a present day dam and expanding a lake. And and it, the lake will still be there, but the the end of the lake will be dammed up by a series of beaver dams, um, which is sounds crazy. Um, but you ought to see this. It's a it's a really complex system of, of beaver dams. Um, and what we like about this is that, the, is that the lake that's in existence, it's not spring fed. It's all rainwater. We've been trapping it for decades, um, and the water quality is not good. And it eventually makes its way um, out this out valve and this concrete culvert into a into a stream. That goes all the way to the Illinois River that's in Northeast Oklahoma. Serves a lot of people. What we're going to be able to do through this series of beaver dam system is this beaver dams serve an ecological value to our community. It kind of filters all of that rainwater that we're collecting off the roads and that gasoline and the motor oil and those kinds of things that are that are part of that water. Those beaver dams actually filter that for us, making its way. So what we're sending on to the river is amongst the cleanest water that they'll have. We're really proud of that side. But it's part of that. It's part of that connection. It's part of that trail system that goes uh, south to north on the western side of town. Go just a little bit further north of that. There's a brand new 100 acre parcel that we've acquired um, that we're going to, uh, to to build at some time in the future. That really will become the central park uh, of our community. We'll have anything and everything. We're master planning it right now, so I don't know exactly what activities I have in there. But come on, it's 100 acres. I mean, I, I, it's going to have a little bit of of, of everything that's in there. A little bit further north of that is the Color Mountain Bike Preserve, and a little bit further north of that is Bella Vista Lake. So, so picture that as the crow flies. All of those facilities along that trail system, and what I've kind of unofficially named it is kind of our chain of parks. And what it now provides to our citizens in the west part of town, the thing that they told me two years ago, like, we love our parks, we love our trails, we just don't have access to them. We're going to do two things. One, we're going to provide that access. We're going to give um, our citizens the ability to spend a weekend in all of those parks, but the quality of those parks are what we're really proud of. It really will bring citizens from all of our ta- all over our town to be 
an active user of those spaces. But we think that even, you know, our guests that are here riding those trails in our city will be able to benefit from those as well. That's, that's amazing, David. Well, thank you very much for being able to give me some of your time so we can talk about this and we can share this with others and stay tuned because we have some other amazing guests lined up for this podcast as well. And you never know, you might want to take a trip down to Bentonville, Arkansas and check out exactly what they have because it, it is an amazing place. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.